Welcome to the Inspired Improbable Mompreneur Podcast, where we cover all things mom entrepreneur from idea to empire. I'm Angela Bell, mom, wife, serial entrepreneur, and general lover of all things pink and sparkly. I firmly believe that moms make the best entrepreneurs, and the best way to be the queen of your mom life is by creating time and financial freedom through your own business. Big or small, we are going to talk about them all. Let's get started, shall we? Today, I have a fantastic guest with me. Yvette is a divorce coach. She works with people who have divorced and helps them with their mindset and guides them and coaches them towards loving themselves again, feeling worthy, and not being triggered. Ultimately, how to be content with themselves and their lives post-divorce. Yvette, it's so great to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. As you said, my name is Yvette. I'm a mom. I'm an ex-wife. I'm a dog mom, an author, well, soon to be. I am technically a divorce coach, like you said. However, I do prefer the term moving on coach because that's what I like to focus on because quite often people get stuck on, you know, oh, I had this divorce and they kind of let that one thing identify them. So I really like to focus on moving on. Are you married? No, I'm moving on. What's your relationship status? I'm moving on. Yes, we can have moving on parties, all sorts of things. How did you get here and become a moving on coach? Many coaches will tell you that when they are choosing their niche and when they are choosing which group of people they want to serve, it's usually good to understand that you are your first client, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to help those people who are now in a position that you were in like five years ago, for example. Mm -hmm. So I can share where I was I don't know, two, three years ago. I don't know. The COVID has kind of messed up the timeline now for everyone. A few years back, I don't know how long in the past, I was in a very unhappy marriage and probably people thought it was happy, but it was an unhappy marriage. And I had a hard decision to make and I made the decision to leave because I just didn't have any other option because the relationship was not healthy. Really didn't want to be a single mom. That was a big fear for me. I had a stigma uh, attached to that because my mom was a single mom. But I had to make that decision because... I didn't want my daughter to live in that environment that we had in our home and to grow up thinking that's what a healthy relationship looks like. You know, that was just the worst. So I made that step. And at first I was like, oh my God, I'm so proud of myself. And like a month later, it kicked in, you know, that, you know, what has happened. And I fell into depression and, you know, I was just in a very bad place. I felt worthless. I felt like nobody will ever love me again for some reason. Now, knowing everything I know now, the thoughts I had then seem very silly, but then it was so real. I really believed that nobody's going to love me, that I will be alone forever, and that my life has no meaning. And yes, there were times when I would consider maybe ending it, but then I was like, oh no, I don't want my ex raising my daughter. So I was like, no, 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 I have, I'll just stick around as hard as it is. I now talk to many women who, you know, who go through divorce and they all feel very similar. You know, they feel worthless, like nobody's going to love them anymore. And that like, that's it. End of marriage is end of life. And that is so not true. And I realized that. Do you want to hear my pivoting moment? Love to. So actually, this is going to sound very ironic, but COVID saved my life the way I see it. Because when I was depressed, I was really high functioning depressed person, like nobody would ever know, maybe just the closest people would know that I'm struggling. Because I am naturally very bubbly, cheerful, 
person. What I did is I would keep myself very busy. So I had a part-time job. I was volunteering a lot. I was running Latvian expat community here in Aberdeen, Scotland, and we would organize events. Oh, I was a teacher in a school for Latvian expat kids. So I was just so busy and I liked it. I like being busy because then I didn't have to think because when I was busy, so when I would think about kids in school that I have to teach, I wouldn't have to listen to all the shit that was playing in my mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and because the thoughts were horrid, absolutely horrid. And when I was at work and I was working in a bar back then, Again, I was thinking about how many shots I have to bring to the table 12 instead of, again, all the shit that was in my mind. And I was keeping very busy. I would cry myself to sleep sometimes, you know, because then when you're not busy, hear your thoughts. And when I was not at work, I would binge Netflix. That was my second escape. I would even watch Netflix while driving. Not that like I wouldn't watch it, but I would listen to it again, escape, escape. And then COVID hit on that first summer. My ex took my daughter on a holiday to Latvia for a whole month. And also during that month, I didn't have any jobs, right? There was no work to go to, no volunteering, nothing. All the shows on Netflix I'd seen already, so (laughs) I didn't even have that. There I was all alone with my icky, yucky thoughts. And that was pretty horrid. The metaphor I like to use is, you know, very dirty house. I don't think many women will be able to relate to that. But imagine a forger who has a horrible dirty house and does nothing about it if my mind would be a house or a home then it would look like a you know hoarder's dream and I was neglecting it by keeping busy and then when the COVID hit and there was nothing to do and my ex took my daughter for a month I realized that you know shit is real I have to clean this house now and I started little by little I started I started with reading books my first one was Jen Sincero You're a Badass really really great it's a good beginning for everyone and that led me to Napoleon Hill and so many other good ones and then I studied with Bob Proctor he's the old guy from The Secret some people might recognize. So I studied with him and I worked with his wife for a little bit and just things started to happen and change. Literally maybe three, four months later, I was like a new person. Yeah, I'm still a new person. And I guess I'm still evolving every day. And now I just want to share that with everyone. Because when I hear those women talk, uh, oh, my narcissistic ex was my only love and nobody's going to love me again. You know, that is so not true. I just want to shed the light, I guess. Wow. That is so powerful. And I think so many women can relate to that because we do take on women, especially tend to take on something not working as a personal failure and use it to define themselves. Like not the marriage failed, but I failed. You know, we get stuck in those thoughts. Much like you, I keep busy when things aren't right, when things aren't quite good. I'm notorious for, well, I'm just going to take on a bunch of stuff and then slow down and go, wait a minute, why am I taking on a bunch? of stuff. Okay, time to do some work. What are like three things that you would say you did during that period of, of learning and growing that really helped you the most? I think the first thing and the most important one is taking responsibility. Okay, because we are conditioned to believe that life happens to us. You know how people sit and chat like, oh, I wonder what's gonna what my life is going to be in five years, or I wonder where I will be in 10 years. Well, don't wonder, right? You're in charge because nobody else is in charge of your life. So life doesn't happen to you. You are responsible for 
every single thing. And I'm one of those crazy people who believe that our thoughts do create our reality. Everything that is in our lives are created by us. And we just go, we live on autopilot. So the things that I've learned that kind of woke me up were that I'm in control. Nobody's going to come and save me. I have to save myself. I think it was Bob Proctor who said, you are the only problem and the only solution in your life. And at first I was like, what? I'm the only problem in my life? But that's also very liberating because if you are the only person holding yourself back, it means you can also let go and you can also, you know, instead of standing in your own way, you can become your cheerleader. You don't have to wait for somebody else to give you the permission to go and have that good life. You don't need anybody else's permission to be happy and to design the life that you want to design. So that was thing number one and it hit hard. But then once you digest it, you're like, oh shit, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in charge. Yeah. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Absolutely. I curse like a sailor sometimes. <laughs> Perfect. So, okay. And the thing number two is that we suffer in our imagination more than we do in reality. When something happens to us, sometimes what causes the suffering is not the event that happened, but the thought and the meaning we attach to that event. So let's say, okay, let's go with the divorce thing, right? So somebody would have a divorce and be like, oh my God, I'm finally free. And I can live my life now without this person who was holding me back. Yay, me, life is good. And they feel good emotion about a divorce. While somebody else brought up in a family where happy marriage is the epitome of success and happiness, mm -hmm. they would have a divorce and they'd be like, shit. I failed at life. That's it. I am yeah. a failure. I'm no good. Nobody will want me now, etc. Even though the event is the same, two people could have very different thoughts about it and very different feelings. And we can change our thoughts. And when we change our thoughts about something, the feelings change. Everything changes. The third thing, I don't know, there's so many. Big one. Gratitude is a big one that we tend to be grateful for what we already have. You know, like when I see that thing or when that thing happens, then I will be happy because that's how we are taught and conditioned to do. And it just seems normal and anything else would be weird. But the truth is in order to experience something you've never experienced before, you should be grateful already for that thing that is just coming and feel the emotion that comes with it. That probably sounds really weird for someone who has not been exposed to this information. Can women and moms specifically find happiness within? You know, a lot of, like you just said, you know, we tend to say, oh, I'll be happy when I have this or all oh, my life looks like this or when, you know, my bank account looks like this. So we put a lot of stock in finding happiness outside of ourselves. How can we find it within? So first of all, I just have to say that back then when I was depressed, if somebody would tell me that I don't need, you know, a new man to be happy, or I don't need this or that to be happy, that happiness is within, I would probably punch that person in the face, you know, because back then, it really seemed that I have nothing within and only this one shiny object from the outside or that thing will make me happy. What I could suggest is very kind to yourself. Self love is number one thing. If you're divorced, if you're happily married, if you're 18, and just finish school, you know, or if you're 90 years old, self-love is number one thing that people practice. And we don't. We speak to ourselves in the way that we would never dare 
to talk to our friend, our neighbor, or even a stranger on a street. You know, why are we so nice to everyone except ourselves? That makes no sense. And self-love, it has been so misunderstood, right? It's people think it's vain to love themselves. So if, for example, if I would tell you that, you know, my daughter Scarlett, her birthday is coming up and she's going to be seven and I love her so much and whatever she does, I will always forgive her and she's just the best and I love her company. What would you think? You would think that, you know, I'm just a normal mom who loves her kid. Good mom because I love her, right? You know, I really love myself. I love myself. I think I'm awesome. I enjoy my own company. I like being by myself. And if I make mistakes, I always forgive myself because I know I, I did the best that I could with information I had. And I just love myself. Many people would cringe. Many people are cringing now as they listen to this because that seems very vain. But I think it's, it's, there are very different things if I am in love with myself and I think that I'm better than everyone else that's a different thing or if I love myself like I had this teacher in a first grade she's gone now but I love her so much and she always said this thing she said if not me then who and if not now then when and all my life I remembered this phrase and I always thought that it is about doing good things. You know, like when you see somebody really drunk and passed out on a street and you're like, oh, should I call the police and let them know that they, you know, should pick this person up? And then I would ask myself, well, if not me, then who? Okay, maybe nobody else will call the police, so I'm going to do it. I'm always the one who helps people out and does the things that others won't. But now when I've learned how important self-love is, it also works this way. If not me, then who's going to love me? Because I'm sure we all have been at some point in our life in a situation where maybe nobody else loves us, or maybe we feel like nobody else does, or maybe people who love us are far, far away. If not you, then who's going to love you? And why, why wouldn't it be you? Why wouldn't you love yourself? Or mm -hmm. awesome, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I love that. And when you love yourself, you have bigger capacity to love others. Self-love, because... I mean, it's becoming more rare for us to appreciate ourselves because with constant comparison and always mm. striving, like the hustler mentality and always striving. And I know like, I used to have, I used to struggle a lot with self-love, a lot. I imagine a lot of other people probably do too. How can they start loving themselves? If it's a foreign concept, if they're like, love myself, what? There's so much not to love about me. Look at all the mistakes I've made and look at, you know, how many people I've hurt or, or all the things I've done wrong. And if they're kind of in that space where loving themselves is foreign, how do they start to love themselves? I'll try and give you several things, okay? I could sit here all night and write a long, long list of all the things that are wrong with me and all the mm -hmm. things that I'm not good at, right? Because there are just limitless amount of things that I'm not good at and that other people are better than me. And we are used to doing that. So maybe for a change, to shift your perspective, you could write a list of 50 things that you love about yourself, okay? If that is too much, you can write a list of 50 things that you like about yourself. And it can be anything, right? You can like that you have a birthmark on your pinky or you like you can like that you're a good friend or and you know the first 15 20 things should be pretty easy maybe even the first 30 but then you have to get really really creative and it's such a great exercise and people who are foreign to self-love and who are very very harsh with themselves it's a great exercise to shift the perspective because we think about what we're doing wrong all the time we make those 
lists we don't like about ourselves in our heads all the time. We keep adding to that, right? And also, just as a joke, you can make a list of 50 things that you don't like about yourself and you might realize that there are not that many because there might be like 10 things you don't like about yourself that you just replay in your mind on the loop and because they go on the loop, it seems like there's 100, but no, it's just 10 things that you, you know, had on the loop for 10 times. Yeah, and then another exercise that I love very much is mirror work okay and it does what it says on, like it's exactly what it is it's mirror work so you go to the mirror you look into your eyes and you say your name and you say I love you so I would go to the mirror and I would say Yvette I love you okay and at first it's gonna be weird and it's gonna be cringy and it's not gonna be comfortable well maybe for, for some it will be and if, it, if it's comfortable for you then keep doing that that's great again this is not the time to look in the mirror and be like oh I have a double chin oh my nose is crooked or you know I need to lose weight no you look into your eyes there's nothing wrong with your eyes they're perfect so is your body by the way <laughs> but you look into your eyes and you speak you know to you and you say Yvette I love you I really really love you and again if that is very super uncomfortable and you can't get yourself to do that then what you can do is again you look into your eyes and say Yvette I am willing to learn to love you I will try to like keep it a bit more or just say that you like yourself. I guess the most important thing as well is just don't criticize yourself. And when you do, and this is fun, if a person tries to talk self-criticism, when they will catch themselves like, oh shit, I just criticized myself, then they will beat themselves up about criticizing themselves, mm-hmm. right? And that's just, yeah. <laughs> just no good. So always, always be kind to yourself. Always know that today or a month ago, you are always doing the best that you can with the information you've got, right? Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you made a mistake five years ago, I don't know, you married the wrong person, even though you saw the red flags. Again, you then made the choices based on the things you knew. If you would have known better, you would have done better. And coming back, to beating yourself up yes when you are changing your habits and when you are learning to minimize the self-criticism it's not going to happen overnight obviously because you are in a habit of criticizing yourself so when you catch yourself doing that be like okay I see what's happening you know I'm aware of this now I'm gonna go and say something nice to myself because there's no point of beating yourself up no one has ever become successful or happy by beating themselves up how can people kind of move past this idea of defining themselves by a perceived failure specifically you deal with and and moving on Mm -hmm. from that but I'm guessing the kind of concept is the same if it's you know a failed business failed relationship failed how do they start to kind of move on from and not define themselves that way so the thing that helped me a lot was the understanding of how our primitive brain works okay so understanding why we're so terrified of failure. So back in the cave ages, I don't know how you call them in English. We call it cave ages. I don't know. There must be a better <laughs> word for that. That works. Caveman. We call them caveman. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Cave, <laughs> well, times that was good. cave times works. I like it. Okay. So back in the day when we used to live in caves, our primitive brain was doing an excellent job and its main goal was to keep us alive. This is why we're afraid of failure and also things that are unfamiliar because back in those days, unfamiliar things meant death and failure 
also meant death because mm-hmm. if you failed to run away from a I don't know what did they have mammoths then <laughs> mm-hmm. if you failed at that you died if you failed at gathering food you starved if you failed at having good relationships with your tribe you were excluded from the tribe and back in those days being excluded from the tribe again meant death and our primitive brain really amazing and it hasn't caught up to the fact that in a 21st century we don't really have lions chasing us there is not a lot of like deathly danger so to speak and our primitive brain still sends us into that complete panic yeah when we fail we're afraid to fail because our brain tells us that we're gonna die did you know that people are more fear of public speaking is greater than fear of death. More people are terrified of public speaking than death. So which means that some people would rather die than go and, you know, try to do public speaking, which is crazy. But that's just because our brain operates that way. How to not be defined by your by the failures is first of all, understand why you're afraid of them, okay? That it's just your caveman, cavewoman's brain, okay? And we live in different times now. And would you define yourself by your failure? So you Mm -hmm. pooped your pants when you were three. You don't define yourself by that, do you? Forget about it. It's just our conditioning. We are taught that it's normal to poop our pants when we're three, so we're okay with that. But then we're taught that it's not okay to get a divorce, that it's Mm -hmm. not okay to tell everybody that you're starting a new business and then fail added you know it's just all conditioning all it's the meaning we attached to those things that's so true so true and how can people find you if they want to either work with you or learn more from you connect with you where can they find you so first of all i just wanted to share something that i'm really 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 excited about like in the very beginning i said that i'm an author and then i was like well not yet (laughs) yeah because i was a part of this co-author project with 10 other really really amazing women and the book is called uh it's coming out in the beginning i think february of 22 and the book is called how to be the badass woman you were always meant to be and so each of us have written a chapter where we share our story how we changed our life by changing our mindset and so it's not just my book and my story 11 very powerful mind-blowing chapters so yeah that that I wanted to share I love it <laughs> and I love it you'll have to that. let me know when that's coming out and I'll share it with the audience like, yes definitely you can find me on Facebook I also have a self-love workshop coming up 9th of January I just created a 12-step program so it's like a group program it has 12 action steps on how to redesign your life after divorce and it's all about changing your beliefs learning to love yourself changing your perspective all that good stuff awesome so is the best way for people to connect with you then on facebook facebook is great i'm a facebook girl any last words of advice you'd like to leave everybody with anything like to tell the audience the one word advice no it's not going to be one word it's going to be a bit of a story if you take your notebooks now what is your value as a person from one to a hundred how would you value yourself as a person you know don't think about it much just write a number And now imagine that you are visiting your sibling or a close friend in a hospital and they just had a baby and you get to meet that baby for the first time. And I want you to think, what is the value of this baby from one to a hundred? I am pretty sure that everyone has said that the value of this newborn baby is 100. 
I'm pretty sure. And if we look at fact, this baby hasn't done anything yet, right? The baby hasn't done anything yet to like, hasn't provided any value to this world. It was just born. Okay. It just poops and breathes and cries, right? Does nothing. Yet we valued at a hundred. And I'm pretty sure that the number you wrote for yourself was lower than a hundred. However, I don't know how many years back, but you used to be that baby and you are perfect. I want to leave you thinking what happened? What have you done so horrible that you're not a hundred anymore? Because you are a hundred, okay? You might have some beliefs that you're not, right? Some limiting beliefs and we all have them. We all have them. I still do, obviously, but you have to know that you are a hundred. You just need to bend those limiting beliefs because you're a hundred. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Oh, thank you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for listening to the Inspire and profitable mompreneur podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review and tell the other mompreneurs in your life. We rise faster when we work together. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of future episodes. You can follow me, Angela Bell, on Instagram and Facebook at i.am.angelabell and visit my website at angelabell.ca. Until next time, remember, the woman you see when you look in the mirror is exactly what a successful entrepreneur looks like.